Hello everybody and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very much for listening to mine. This started out life as a podcast I did with a fellow podcaster in Scotland by the name of Jason. And what it is now is a fascinating artifact, I think, in the early days of Omicron. And basically the reason I say that is because it's a document. It's a document about what I thought at the time Omicron was and maybe what it has become today. And I say maybe because I I don't actually know what it is. I mean, you know, I had a history professor who said that history is not omniscient and, and never before except during COVID, has that become more apparent to me, that history is simply not omniscient. Um, You know, lots of people have died from Omicron, and Omicron is, you know, makes lots and lots of people sick. And in the show, I talk about how people are, are working from home, and that is true, but a lot of people are transitioning back to the office, And I think a lot of us know on a long enough timeline what that's going to do, especially as the children are unvaccinated or the vaccine isn't as uh, readily available as it is uh, with some people, especially older people. Um, Also, I think, too, there's a lot of societal unrest now in this country, and I'm going to have a podcast uh, this evening with a with a person about that. Anyway, I thought I'd release this podcast because it's a very interesting artifact in the early days of Omicron. Um, but anyway, like always, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. All right, everybody, thanks a lot, and I'll see you later. Bye. Hi, everybody. My name is Ben Kitchings. I'm here with Jason, who is a podcaster by evening and a school teacher by day, and he lives in Scotland. And the reason I wanted to talk to Jason was because because he's talked to so many people about society, and I just wanted to get his take on things. So first of all, Jason, uh, tell me what you think the human condition is right now. The human condition? Um, I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that. Well, just, okay. Yeah, yeah. The people who you talk to, um, is there an overwhelming theme that you keep coming to? I think people are generally, I think there's a lot of sort of people being fed up with the world, weariness, especially in the, the current climate. You see things that go on in the world. And it's hard to be optimistic because there's negativity and badness that seems to be never too far away. That's my take anyway. Despite any positivity people find, negativity and bad vibes seem to be not too far around the corner. Sorry for the doom and gloom, but that's just how (laughs) I see things. (laughs) No, I mean, I I love talking to, you know, I love... 
I'm really open-ended as to what your answer was going to be there. Because, I mean, I think you're kind of right. But maybe, like, I see that we're in a revolution. You know, like... What do you think we're we're evolving towards? (sighs) You said you're a teacher. How old are your students? Oh, young. So I'm a primary school. So I am, I'm 26 and the students in my class are seven years old. Uh, so I wonder about um, the fact that we're able to have this conversation and I live, we're across an ocean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So by the time those seven-year-olds get to be 26, I think that's going to be normal. I, I think, think the, the pandemic has shifted that as well. The the You think of who knew what Zoom was two years ago. Now it's everywhere. Even the likes yeah. of Zencaster, the, the, the medium we're doing this on. It's, mm-hmm. The prominence will have risen up so much over the last two years. But as you say, yeah, technology, the kids will be well-versed in ways that you and I are not, even though we like to think we are. Well, we're well versed now, but you know, yeah. twenty, like maybe we'll, you know, we'll keep up with it. I, I know I want to, um, but you never know. You it's honestly true. never know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just see like, I get what you're saying about the negativity, but I see a lot of positivity too. Like. Maybe I'm just weird because I've talked to so many people. But I see, like, we're all the same. We have the same sort of problems, the same sort of predicaments, you know? Do you think the world is heading in a good direction? Or are you... So in terms of, like, say, the lie of the land and... America, and I think it's interesting when I speak to people from that are American, and they, they like to hear an outsider like a European or a Scottish or whatever take on how things are unfolding in America. I think it is. It, I I like that you're different than me in terms of positivity, because I I think looking at America, there would be a lot of there are a lot of concerns about the direction in which things are going. But, as I say, I'm an outsider. You're the one that's there. You live every day, I don't. Well, okay. I think, yes, there are problems and there are situations. and But I I, I don't think you can uh, understand America today without first understanding that um, the college industry is dying. Right? It's literally dying. And nobody knows what's going to replace it. First of all, a lot of people don't even realize it's dying. Secondly, nobody has really thought seriously about what, what's going to replace it. Right? Um, and I think a lot of negativity comes from that. There's a lot. That's not all the negativity for sure. But a whole lot of negativity comes from that right there. I think that with the technology that we're seeing, 
you're encountering problems that are not in your, that you yourself can't see in your own world. And how you react to that is how you react to it. So, like, I'm on Twitter a lot, and I see a lot of, um, I, I follow a lot of what we call black people or African Americans on Twitter. And so I see a lot of videos about just casual racism on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And my thought, honestly, is, okay, yeah, okay, that exists. That's a thing that happens, for sure. But see, the difference is we have a cell phone. We have a pot, we have a pocket camera and we can film that and put that in the world. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, so it's not just, it's not just that one person in the burger, like the one uh, person behind the counter in the burger place that sees it. It's her, all of her friends or all of the world essentially. Cause whatever. Right. Um, so I think this time is, is is we're asking a question of ourselves. How do we want to live? Okay, how do we want to exist? I think another problem we have in this country, and I haven't even touched on the the inequality or the or the or, you know how healthcare is uneven and all that. But I think the other problem we have is um our pol- because we're so large as a physical space right you have people who might not have the problems that an urban person would have right they have their own set of problems right but they don't have the suburban or urban problems that somebody would have and like a lot of people um, it's like we can't really relate to each other. We can speak the same language and in some cases root for the same sports team or whatever, but we can't really relate to each other day to day. And where you really see that is TikTok. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a video I saw. I heard your podcast that, um, about the second amendment with that, with that fellow from Wisconsin. Um, right. There's a video on TikTok that I saw of a guy who lives sort of around the way from a zoo or some kind of, I don't want to say zoo, but somewhere where they keep lions. Okay. Right. And every once in a while, a lion will get out. (laughs) Right. Hmm. And he'll have to shoot the lion. Okay. Right. So, you know. Or like, you know, um, I just really think that this time is a time of, of us. And sure, I mean, there's there's racial issues and like that. But this is a time of, this is our country. This is our world. These are our problems that we have. And how do we fix this problem? Right? And overlaid on top of that is this overwhelming sense of pessimism because there's a there's a key industry in our country that is dying. And I think if you know there's a lot of intelligent people that sense that, that feel that and they allow that to permeate into the world into their view of things, but you know. 
Is there a way to stop that industry from dying? You know, if I were conspiratorially minded, <laughs> as <laughs> as a rule, as a rule, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Okay, right. as a general rule, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. If I were conspiratorially minded, I would say like the one percenters or the billionaires or whoever are sort of uh, gaming the some kind of a system or whatever so that certain people who are super qualified for a job might have a hard time finding it. But I really wonder if the real problem is that while everybody was waiting for the robots to take over, what really happened is people started Googling. <laughs> you know, people started using Google. Um, so how to prevent it from dying? Um, I don't know. And that's a phrase I've learned how to say a lot in the last several years is I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um, I think what we need to do is be honest with people about, you know, trade school and things like that. And I think guilds are going to come back eventually. What, but I, what I is that? Know. I'm not familiar with that phrase. A guild? Um, you know what a guild is. Oh, guild? You're in, you're in Europe. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the Baker's Guild or the... Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think the reason is for the failure of the college system? Is it just a case of the the issue I have with the universities here is that there are a lot of sort of courses that people enroll on that don't actually get you anywhere. So there's a lot of debt is accrued by students for nothing because they're never going to earn that money back. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. I think you hit the to use an American phrase, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head. That's it. I think that's really it. Um, yeah. An example I would think of is as much as my girlfriend will shoot me for saying this because she's like artistically minded, but a lot mm. of courses that are to do with the arts that are three and four years that don't actually get you, that get you nowhere. There's no job to walk into at the end of that. It's essentially doing years accruing debt to go into the gig, the gig economy. Freelance work, which isn't going to pay back the thousands of dollars of student debt that you build up over the course of your studies. I think you're exactly right. And that happens here too. In this mm -hmm. country, like that happens, that happens here too. Um, so I'm on academic Twitter, basically, and some of those stories from professors, like some of those tweets from professors, are just—they're sad. I mean, honestly, yeah. like no kidding, they're just—they're sad. And the thing that you want, the thing that is like. I don't know, but at some point, this feeling, I, I really believe that's a whole lot of the reason why certain people think America is is not doing good. Because like when I talk to 
So I'm not a mechanic person or what I'm not in the trades or whatever. But when I talk to trades people, um, they think America's doing great. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I get it how I get that you can't teach everybody to, to do a trade. Okay. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But we got to shift more to that model, I think. I, I really believe that. We have to 100%, shift. 100%. I agree. More I agree. To, towards that. Um, I also, one of the things that I, I really love about our time, and I mean this completely unironically, like I think this is so cool, is how you can be a creator on just social media or like what I'm doing now. Right. Or Mm -hmm. what you did, which I mean, you had a I only heard the one show, but you had a fascinating guest. Right. And Mm -hmm. before, like, you know, before, like that, he would have been, you know, maybe calling some radio show up or something, if that. And they wouldn't have spent all the time with him that you did. I think people's I think opinions are important. Like Mm -hmm. it's. Like the idea of creating content for me, anyway, my rule is that if you think of things on a left, say politically speaking, right, the 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 left and the right, red or blue or whatever two colours you have any political party in any country, that I like to hear the views of everybody, and the variety is the spice of life. That, as you say, he there would have been a radio show that would have spoken to Michael for that full time but there would have been a radio show on the other side that would have tossed him out after 20 seconds but he has a space that gives us space and I think he's told his version of the story in in an interesting way but it's just one yeah he was he was very passionate which makes I think it makes for good content as you say talking about content creators I think when you get someone who's so steadfastly believes in something like that even if i think he openly acknowledged that his his belief was his belief it was not rooted in the law and strictly speaking his belief is wrong because for anyone that's listening doesn't know the kyle rittenhouse the guest i had on the podcast steadfastly believed that he should have been found guilty but he wasn't so the guest was ultimately wrong but it doesn't mean to say the opinion matters, and that I am happy to give people like that a platform to discuss it because it's it's good. It's good to hear both sides. I think you know. I think you're right, and I think that to me, okay. So I've talked to people in this country, and I can certainly point out things that I've learned through just being a podcast, uh, a podcaster. Yeah. that I've learned about my own country that I didn't know that I think are, are serious problems that need to be solved. Um, for example, I'm going to forget the statistic, but before the pandemic, it was like, um, it was, we just, in this country, we have a amazing number of homeless people, like a truly shocking before the pandemic, even shocking number of homeless people you know, as a percentage and as a number, and that's before the pandemic. Um, you know, um, 
rent in, rent in this country is insane. It's absolutely insane. Is um, that across the board, or would that vary by city and by state? It's probably a little bit of both. Like it probably is across. Like if you're in a major metropolitan area, like for example, uh, so through doing a podcast, I learned that the rent in my city and the rent in San Francisco are comparable, like very comparable. Where are you from? Am I allowed to ask that? You didn't say. Oh, sure. I live essentially, hold on. I live essentially in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's an up and coming city it seems to be though. That seems to be gaining uh, more and more traction. Well, it's funny you say that. We uh before the pandemic I went to a meeting and I learned that uh my city, so northwest Georgia, the region of northwest Georgia, is one of the fastest growing areas on two continents. Okay, so imagine that. Mm-hmm. Right? Um we gained about a million people in this last census. Uh, and it felt like, oh, we leveled off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gained a million people. Oh, we leveled off. Good. <laughs> um, I don't know what the census is going to be. I mean, but then right after the pandemic, we got a whole lot of people. Like right after the census was actually completed, uh, it feels like we got just a ton of people now because. The roads are just slammed with people, you know. I remember, I, I do pay attention. I'm not going to say I'm like a total statistician and spend all my time following American demographics, but Georgia and Atlanta, see the, the demographics are changing. So I remember that being a key factor in the presidential election discussion that Georgia, which would have previously been like a safe red, mm-hmm. safe Republican area, you've got an influx of people moving into the city of Atlanta, which has an impact. And as you say, that has seems to have been evidenced through the census. There's well, living I mean, proof of it. I've studied Metro Atlanta demographics for 20-something years at this point. Perfect. Uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, actually, yes. And actually, one of the problem, like one of the, I don't want to use the word problem, but one of the issues with our country beyond the racism and all this is, so there's a thing called the Billy migration that historians talk about. It's where there's a term called hillbilly, which is people mm-hmm. in the mountains. And it's the largest, it was the largest, uh, it was the largest internal migration in world history was the Billy migration. Okay. So one of the problems or situations is you had these people, these rural people from this mountain area or kind of adjacent to the mountains or whatever. Um, they would come into the cities And see, now what you have is, like in my state, so I just told you we gained a million people as a city, right? In my state, your county was either classified as an urban county or you lost, or your county lost uh, people by quite a lot. In some cases, like half of the people. 
you know. So I think that's a lot of the animus politically is that you have rural voters that live in dying areas and urban and suburban voters that live in very dynamic areas and very growing areas. And I think that's a whole lot of our problem politically. You know, I would agree because it's, yeah, it's not a two tier society in the sense that some are well off and some aren't, but you've got essentially two ways of life, two very distinct ways of life who are voting under the same electoral system. And it's just essentially who has more within a given state really seems to carry the day. Is that true or is that not true? Uh, that's entirely true. <laughs> that's actually, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I could not have said that better myself if I tried. Yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think you can't really talk about America without talking about the how the education system in this country, the higher education system in this country is essentially dying. And nobody, people don't really say it like that. But A difference that we have here is that the our government, the Scottish government, they pay for the tuition fees of Scottish people so long as they study at university in Scotland. So, for example, say you and I were both starting... I was going to the University of Glasgow and you were starting the University of Georgia, then yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have to pay for my course. I would have to pay a student loan if I wanted to have money to live off. But for me to go to university, it wouldn't cost me money, whereas you would have to pay, I would imagine, I think, you'd have to pay the college money to go there. Yes, and not only that, but you would have to pay... Um, your housing and food, etc., and that's part of the issue. And another part of the issue is so um, there are certain for a certain group of people, it's actually uh, I would argue a, a cultural thing that you're just supposed to do this. And for a whole lot of people, they just think, well, eventually the system will, will fix itself or you know change or whatever. I don't know that it will. Um, honestly, but I'm just curious, like, what have you heard about as far as, well, some of the people, some of the outsiders talking about America, like, what have they, what have they said? I'm just curious. So I think growing up, we study American politics a fair bit in school, so we aren't total outsiders, as weird as that sounds. A lot of our, you do us at a subject at school called modern studies and the you do foreign countries so there are two countries where usa and south africa south africa is obviously a basket case for a lot of different reasons but usa a lot of the things we did were the checks and balances that are in place like power wise with the president and stuff mm. but for us it was when people think of america it's always the gun thing the gun control and the amendment and how that that concept to us of having a gun and being able to own a gun is completely alien. Hmm. But yeah, a, yeah, go ahead. it's it's in a lot of ways we have a big problem here with knife crime and 
Mm. I'm not saying it's the same, but you could just say that the knives are our form of guns because it's, yeah, we're just illegal, whereas guns are fairly, I don't know if it's legal across or it varies state by state, the, the level of control they exert, but you know what I'm trying well, to say. I know exactly what you're trying to say. Um, so first of all, and this, and the, the Rittenhouse uh, trial ran right into this. Um, there is a legal, I don't know if it's a law or if it's like a, what you might want to call a legal understanding, right? There's a difference. Okay. So let's do, let's do, um, let's not do Rittenhouse. Let's do another one. Okay. That really did happen. So I'm not making this up, but it actually happened, but it'll better illustrate the point. Okay. There's a, the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles in 94. I think it was. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So there was a lot of things happening in Koreatown in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I have interviewed people that were in Koreatown as business owners and stuff in LA at the time. Okay. And they said that there was like this slow realization that they had to, I say slow, but you know, it was a rapidly evolving thing, right? So relatively slow, but quickly in absolute terms. But you know what I'm saying? There was like this dawning that they had to protect their own property, right? That, okay, so the police weren't going to do it. Basically, they had to do it, okay? And so they did. They they would get up on the roofs and all this and basically tried as best they could to protect their property. So in this country, you have basically a, a right to protect your town from whatever, you know, things that you deem, you know, not, you know, unsafe or whatever. Um, now, some legal issues that I question with the, the Rittenhouse thing is, is it legal to do that across state lines? I'm not yeah. sure if you know what I'm saying. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but that is, I mean, there's, there's hard. I mean, there's precedent through time of people, citizens of a community, being, you know, being legally able to protect their own community. Um, that's just the way it works. Um, now you can talk about the fact that, you know, um, you can talk about, for example, how did he come to pick that car dealership or whatever? Like that, that's sort of curious to me, but I don't know. Um, anyway. So Europeans seem to be freaked out by the presence of guns, huh? Massively. 
massively. The idea of it is alien, and it's when we see, obviously we have armed police, but when you see armed police, you're like, oh, shit. So that's, you're just not used to seeing, like, you think to yourself, is that actually a gun? Is that actually a gun? And yes, it is a gun. (laughs) Whereas... so I talked so they, to a fellow. In, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I talked to a fellow in Bosnia, right? And he said in, in Bosnia, he said that uh, they have more guns than anybody except America and, and Finland, pretty much. Um, and he seemed pretty convinced that Bosnia was going to go to war uh, pretty soon. So those. Where Bosnia is, that, that area of Europe, Eastern Europe, the, the Balkan countries, they've been in and out of wars. I think it's not as far as long as time has passed, but the, they, they're very used to civil war and war with neighbouring states. And I'm not saying that's okay, but it's, it's, they're probably far more conditioned to being in conflict than most other Western European or Central European countries are. Yeah. The big thing just now is Russia. They, th- they seem to think Russia's going to invade Ukraine. I don't yeah, know if you've, you've read up on that. Well, when this guy, um, who I know is Mr. Nobody, when he landed on my, uh, you know, in my inbox, so to speak, right, um, I got up on it after he talked to me, and I was like, wow, I had no idea that, yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. Uh, it looks like a mess, you know. Uh, yeah, and it's, these countries have been, they've hardly recovered from the wars, the genocides of 20, 30 years ago, and yet they seem happy to just to plow on through. But yeah, war and conflict is second nature. Well, I mean, World War One started there, so. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. So, um, so have you talked to American guests? I guess, I guess you have. How many have I had? I think I've had two. I want to say two. One was a guy from, oh, let me think. It was some rural Iowa or some, some weird shit place like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you actually. I've, I've still got him on Facebook. Give me two seconds. No, this isn't great audio for people listening. Because uh, it was some like daft shit place. He, he said that himself. That's That was the... Yeah. Fargo, North Dakota. That was it. Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> so he, yeah, he was... Talks about how that is far more red and maybe lives more in the past than what people would generally associate with modern day life. But I think the, the thing that fascinates me about America is, as, you, as you've already, as we've already discussed, is that to, to the fact that it's even one place when you have so many varying degrees of living standards and just ways of life that yeah. somebody in Anchorage, Alaska who sees the sunlight for two hours a day is the same as your 65-year-old retired man on his holiday house on South Beach in Miami 
They're both American. Well, <laughs> I mean, it gets even more than that. I mean, you can, um, like, in every state in the Union, in every, literally yeah. every state, yeah. you can have, like, deeply, deeply conservative people, but also, like, very, very liberal or, or very progressive people or whatever. And, it, you know, there's there's been a lot of research that I've spent, for better or worse, I spent years reading as to why that is and how that ended up and blah, blah, blah. But the fact is that it happened, right? And to where, like, in Germany or somewhere like that, like, you know, you don't have that as much or maybe in Scotland even, you know? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the, the variance here is less, but there are less people. I think that we are slightly more homogenized because I think you like the area the size of Scotland Scotland isn't a big country but relative to the, the, the population density there's a lot of Scotland that's just mountains so it's fairly not uninhabitable but if you had to draw a line say you had Scotland on a map and you took a ruler and put a ruler across the middle of Scotland and seeing that space that the ruler takes up I think 45 50 maybe even more percent of the country lives in this one strip in the middle. And that strip was only, I think the distance between Glasgow and Edinburgh, which are the two biggest cities, is 40 miles, which is less than an hour. So you you don't have that same, even though that's, it's different, the variance just isn't there. We don't have that the way that America does. Right. Whereas you in a, in a state like, I'm sure there are states in America that there's probably the same population as us that would have the quote-unquote hillbilly farmer versus the built-up metropolitan area. The, the, both those things don't really, both those extremes don't exist to the same extent as they do in well, the United States. Well, so like in Scotland, Scotland has like three million people, right? Like three, four million people, something like that. Five, five point five, I think. Yeah, five point so, five million. So, like my state, my state's like double my state. Yeah, it's yeah. Double like Scotland. <laughs> so, right, like I think you, you, yeah, I'm gonna say your city, the, the metropolitan Atlanta area, will probably be more than half of our population. It's bigger. My my metro area is bigger than Scotland. Yeah, that would not not surprising at all. So, <laughs> yeah. so we have we have an economy the size of Belgium, for example. <laughs> That's great. So, my city has the economy the size of Belgium. I mean, you know, but yeah, I mean, what's but what's in, insane about it is how fast it grew up. Like how fast the city just exploded. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think the exponential growth of the Atlanta area has taken place? (laughs) Ah, okay. Well, I already did a podcast on this, but I'm happy to do it again. Um, (laughs) So there was okay. So a couple. Give me the short answer. Don't ruin your content. Just give me the short answer. Oh no, I, I can ruin my content. I don't care. Uh, I'm kidding, 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 kidding. Uh, all right. Here's what happened. Um, basically, what happened was back in the 
back in the 1930s. So we start our story in the 1930s. There was a bad, um, a bad cholera outbreak in Savannah. Savannah used to be bigger than Atlanta. Okay. And there was a hospital or the government was looking to put a, uh, something for polio in Savannah, but they couldn't put it. They didn't want to put it there because they had a cholera outbreak. That was really bad. So they put it in Atlanta instead. Right. And around the same time, the mayor of Atlanta secured the air, the air postal route for the South. So the airmail for the South. Right. Um, and then you had, so you had the interstate system in the fifties. Okay. And okay. So you had that, but what really kicked it off was first of all, there was a governor. His name was Zell Miller. Okay. Zell Miller got a look at the tax receipts in Georgia and he realized that he needed to grow Atlanta. Because he wasn't, that's all the tax receipts they could get, right? It wasn't Zell Miller, it was uh, Joe Frank Harris did that. They, so he started, um, got tech stuff in Atlanta, things like that. And the CDC was already here. The CDC is like the one of the preeminent health situations in the world. If you've ever seen The Walking Dead, they filmed part of the yeah, Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, in the CDC, yeah. 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 Um, so, okay. So, basically what happened was you had that, you had that. Well, plus you have, like, you have several interstates that basically uh, converge here. Right. And then you had um, you had the Olympics and you had a couple Super Bowls and basically, I don't know, there's no natural there's no real natural boundaries for Atlanta. So it can just keep growing. Literally, it can just keep growing, keep, keep expanding. And for those of you who want to know anything more, I recorded a crossover episode with a man named Jacob Edwards King, where I went into this in great detail <laughs> but um anyway yeah now the question is the real question is do i see it stopping uh do i see the growth stopping and the answer i think is no i actually don't i see it continuing into infinity how can it continue like that though like what what is the sure there must be something that would naturally slow it down where are all the people coming from, and what are they leaving behind? Everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally everywhere. Um, we have uh, Koreans, like from Korea. We have all kinds of Spanish-speaking people all over the from all over Central and South America. We have Jesus God. We have Africans. We have just a, if you're just talking about it internally, we have businesses moving here at, a, at an amazing rate just because there's all these tax breaks and you have like, um, like for example, you have the advertising market for the world is moving here. 
like the advertising industry for the English speaking world is moving here. Okay. Um, so there's that, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. There's the also a fair, bit, a fair bit of the movie industry seems to be filming in oh, Atlanta as well. Oh, absolutely. And that picked up because there was a, several significant fires in Los Angeles or in California. And so a lot of uh, people moved, a lot of that moved from to here. Um, you know, it's, it's just, just there's, I, I don't see it slowing down at all. We get a fair bit of, just as an interesting point on that same topic, we get a lot of, so European cities are different to American cities because American cities, you use a grid system for your metropolitan sort of downtowns, so all the streets are straight lines. We, Glasgow, has that as well, so a few times we have been used as a, like a city double for New York because we all their streets are straight. Does that make that sounds so silly? But does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Uh, wasn't S- that what movie was it? it was World War Z then. was here. World War Z and the new Batman has been here a fair bit. Brad Pitt was here a few years ago for World War Z. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But what was the? Where did they film the Gangs of New York? Was that in Italy? I think it was mostly Italy, yeah. Uh-huh. We had a fair a bit of we have had a couple of the Batmans here actually. The yeah. some of the shots of like the Gotham Night Sky and the the Dark Knight trilogy were here. Mm, that's cool. Um So you were saying that everybody seems to think things are dark, huh? So there's no like light at the end of the tunnel on your side of things. I think on our side of things, yeah, we've we are. I think especially like politically, there's always something that you think that the country's moving forward and we're trying to move out of a pandemic, and there's always some sort of scandal, and it leaves you just alienated and feeling. Let down, demoralized by the state of affairs. Well, I tell you, I mean, so I've studied history a lot. And when you think about, like, you think about, for example, there was several hundred years in English history where the economy never got right. You know, or or you think about uh, the Black Death you know, and sure, we had a, we've had a pandemic, and we still have it. And more people died in this country in twenty twenty one from this thing than died in twenty twenty. You know, for yeah. sure. And I'm right, but I mean, with the nineteen eighteen pandemic, you had whole cities that were decimated. You had, there were whole towns in the Midwest that just everybody died. You know, we've got a thing just now where so last year, it was about this time last year, where the Prime Minister Boris Johnson came onto the TV and said that you were to limit socialising 
with others and that there would be a full-on lockdown starting from Boxing Day. So it was essentially a case of cut down who you're seeing, see family on Christmas Day, but then that's it. And it's just recently come out that he was hosting big parties in sort of Downing Street, which is the, his mm. official residence, whereas mm. the rest of the country were being told, stay indoors, don't mix. Mm. And it's things like that that people just think. There are people who did follow all the rules. Personally, I think they were silly for doing that in the first place, but that's just my opinion. Don't. Why would you listen to people that don't have your interest at heart? You should live your own life on your own terms. But anyway, there were people who really did stick to it and thought of themselves as being upstanding citizens for doing so and that's the that's what they were doing it for they were people pulling together when the leader of the pack so to speak is then not practicing what he preaches well i tell you um my view on covid has certainly evolved <laughs> go on well at first, I thought it was going to be a big deal. Like, when I mean big deal, I mean, like, Black Death. Okay? Like, the plague. Okay? Or, like, maybe 1918. Right? Um, it's obviously not that. Um, I would... I think... You know, but talking to people all over the world, I, I really start to see how you can't have you can't have a situation where you do this indefinitely. Yeah. Like you really can't. Um, honestly. Because, you know like for example, in this country here. It would not surprise me in the next few years if we have a commercial real estate crash. I don't know. I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming. You know, that would not surprise me at all. How comparable would it be to the 2007-8 type crash? I have no idea, but it would be big. Uh, Because I'll tell you why. A lot of the offices now people figured out how to work from home or how to work remotely on a regular basis. So like practically all of my friends are practically everybody I know, literally not even just my friends, just basic, just acquaintances even talk about how I can do this job from home or I can do this job from here or I can do this job from there, wherever, like blah, blah. And you've got all these office towers, and I don't know what's going to happen to that. Now, I said earlier that we have a serious homelessness problem, and maybe that's going to, people are going to be living in office towers in the future. I hope. I hope that's what happens. You know. See, we have the same type of thing here where, as you say, the entire multi-story offices are lying basically empty but the problem is that they those buildings have been so 
transformed on the inside, it would be a either a nigh on impossible or b financially suicidal to then convert that back to housing for people. That's the problem that they're talking about here in Glasgow. Well, see, I think what I meant by that was so. And I'm not saying that society is going to collapse, but I am saying it's going to change. Okay. If you look at the Romans, right? I mean, the people, like when Rome ended, the Roman, the built Roman environment didn't end overnight. You know, people transitioned buildings into other stuff, right? So I'm talking about society, cities doing something with it or people or whatever. And it might be, it might actually be that it gets knocked down and redeveloped. I don't know. But all I do know, and, but, and that leads me to the other question is what's all the traffic? You know, like what's all the traffic? If, if you have this many people working from home, what's all the traffic? You know, I don't know. I say, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> right? No, exactly. I, mean, I don't know. And then, what do you think? So, say we've been through the pandemic now for for two years, coming almost right. Where Where do you think the world will be this time next year? I'm thinking. <laughs> the the line didn't go dead. I'm thinking. Um I think so we were saying earlier. I think that there's a lot of people in my country that see a lot of changes going on that don't like those changes for one reason or another. They just don't like them. But the other thing that strikes me about what happened, like the way we adapted, the other thing that really strikes me about the way we adapted for for COVID is that all of that was already here. You know, what was invented that is new? Because people had to work from home, right? Right? Mm-hmm. What was invented? It was. It's like we adapted all this stuff, you know. So I see. So in a year, I wonder about restaurants. Like I really wonder about the restaurant culture. If that can make it. Because in this country, like in 07, 08, 09, there was an entire layer of restaurants that was basically devastated by 07, 08, 09. Okay. You also, I think, I think retail is going to have a problem. Like in-person retail, I think that's going to have a problem. Like a, like a real problem. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think the the seeds for the retail 
or as we call it, the high street industry here, in-person retail, the seeds were sown mm. for that a long time ago, and I think it's just a steady decline now. Right. Exactly right. Um, what's striking to me, just if you leave aside the pandemic, if we, if we pretend the pandemic never happened, okay, what's striking to me is all the things you can buy online that maybe 10 years ago or five years ago you wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we're just talking about retail as jobs or retail as a culture. I don't know how you replace that. Okay. I, I'm not talking about, you know, I could care less how the consumer gets their goods, but, if you just talk about it as like a job or like a culture, I don't know how you replace that. Right. Um, so in this country, we have something called shopping malls, which are sort of the suburban high street, I guess. That has really taken a hit during COVID. I mean, it was on the way out, but it's really taken a, a serious hit during COVID. And I just, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting, I, I like just to see, I like seeing how things change. And how, the world... how do you think? How do you think things are going to change in like a year or two? I think hopefully the people, the powers that be, stop shitting their pants whenever there's a new variant because you're going to have to live with it, and that that has to be it. And I think you can't keep collapsing or threatening to collapse an economy just because a new variant comes around. I don't know if you've got the Omicron variant in America yet, but it's, well, it's here. And yeah, we have it. We have it, but I don't think we're going to be locked. I mean, I don't think we're going to be in America. I don't think we're going to have a lockdown, like a, a proper, you know, like a let's all stay home. Yeah, like a stay-at-home order type of thing. In my state, you couldn't do that, like, Culturally, in my state, there's no way you could do that. You you couldn't, in my state, tell people to stay at home and have them do it for weeks at a time. Yeah. Just months at a time indefinitely. Um, yeah, Georgia fact, was one of the Georgia was one of the places that was fairly. They they kind of plowed on as close to normal for as long as possible because I like I like my basketball, and I think that was the reason they got the All Star game. Because they would let they were still letting a few thousand people in when well, everyone else had, was it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean and you know, talking to people in Asia, so I've talked to folks in Asia. <laughs> yeah. The difference you know is crazy. Where, you know where this is going. So that's what yes. <laughs> that's kinda what changed my mind is when you talk to these people in Asia, 
you're just like, oh my god, that's insane. That's literally, like, this isn't going away. Like, it's not like we're going to get over this. It's not like it's going to burn itself out, right? You're Okay, I'm I'm all I'm all for get, getting a vaccine. I'm on board with team, you know, please get a vaccine, right? And I'm here to tell you, I you know, I know people who died from this and I know people that are that are sick from it, like really sick. But having said all that, do I actually think that you ought to have police come come around and force people to stay at home? Uh no, I don't. I don't think that's that's a good idea. Um I'm not in favor of an enforced a government enforced lockdown per se, but maybe some way to like I don't know, just some way to work with businesses like and just make sure people can be safe. That's fine, you know? I mean, but we have people in this state who don't believe it. You don't think it's real? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm sometimes admire the delusion, the persistent delusion to believe it isn't real. That I mean, you must yeah. be so far removed from society. It's actually impressive. I, I would say I'm, I'm impressed by that rather than really annoyed by it. To be so out of touch takes some doing, and I tip my cap off to the people because fair play to you. You are so far under the rock that no one can find you. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let's 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 play a, let's play a, a thought experiment here. Go. How did you first learn about COVID? Um, I think I seen I heard it in the news saying something was happening in Wuhan. They started reporting about people come becoming really ill in Wuhan. And that was it, yeah. And then it spread to Italy and people were like, I remember us being a wee bit, we were two weeks or three weeks behind Italy, thinking, oh, it's not going to get here. Look at those poor Italians. And then, yeah, it just started. One confirmed case, two confirmed cases, 16, 50, 100, 200. You're like, oh shit, it's here now. I wonder how much of, I wonder if people thought, like, I mean, not not people, I mean, like, experts. I wonder if experts really thought, like, this, this is going to be terrible. And it ended up not being as terrible as, as they thought. Like, I wonder if that's part of the problem. But then I think sometimes they have to double down on if you've expected it, they almost need to save face by forecasting these bad things. That's that's the vibe I get sometimes, is that they not that they want it to be bad, but if they've forecasted it to be terrible, then it isn't terrible, it then weakens their position the next time. I mean I, I see that. But wouldn't you say the opposite of that could also be true? That if you keep telling people that it's going to be terrible and it's not, or it's not as bad as like the Black Death, where you had, I mean, like what, a third of Europe or two thirds of Europe died from the Black Death? I mean, one of those Black Death episodes? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. <laughs> I mean, that is insane. Like, that's insane. 
but and you know like nobody truly knows how many people died from covid in this country like because of how our healthcare system is and because of other things like we don't actually know how many people died but it's somewhere around 2 million or something yeah it's in the, in the millions yeah multiple millions pretty crazy actually well yeah but i i heard on the radio this morning it's actually kind of crazy how the, how we've all been um i guess trained or how how we think about covid now right where they'll say the omicron variant is here but like there's one case that we know of and they say that we know of right because everybody knows i swear everybody knows somebody that isn't right like that that isn't themselves you know but they didn't weren't diagnosed with covid right everybody knows somebody that is like yeah he's like having trouble walking up the steps now you know <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I feel you, and I'm going to, I'll counter that with, I'll tell you about my experience with COVID, and it is the most pathetic brush of COVID ever. And it, I must admit, I, I was never a COVID denier, but I think when people, if the COVID deniers wanted to hear about someone's COVID story to make rubbish, to make fun of COVID, then it would be my story. So we, it was July. Like, I'm a teacher, and I went the full school year without getting it, and then the first week of the holidays got COVID, typical. So um, my friend had booked up to go on, like, a, we call a staycation, just a holiday within um, Scotland, and obviously it would have been non-refundable. Uh, and he was going 10 days after we had scheduled to go on, like, a hike together. And just to be safe, I thought I will do one of those lateral flow tests just to make sure that we're not sitting in the car together and he gets sort of caught out by the track and trace system who would contact him and tell him to isolate, then he would have missed his holiday. So I get really terrible hay fever, and I mean terrible in the summer. It's it's almost like asthma-type debilitating if I'm not on top of my antihistamines. So I woke up and I always feel quite s- like snuffy and s- bunged up a bit in the morning. So I just thought it was that. Um, did a lateral flow, went to pack my bag and came back and it was positive. And I'm thinking, oh shit, because I felt fine. I would have just taken two tablets and that would have been me fine. And yeah, I had no symptoms at all. And that, that was me. I think truth be told... I was supposed to isolate for 10 days. I think I stopped after four or five once I was testing negative again. But that was, that was my brush with COVID in, in July this year. Yeah, I, I haven't got, I haven't caught it. Um, but I certainly have talked to a few people and you're very lucky. I'm just saying. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Very, very, very lucky. Um, yeah, but um, I don't know, man. It's just I, I. One of the things I think. So you were asking me earlier, what are, what are some changes? I think people are going to become more fluent in viruses, you know, than they ever were. 
I think there's going to be a, a cohort of people that are going to be really fluent in what a virus is and is not because of this. I think that's a good thing, though. Oh, it is. It definitely is. And one thing, like, I'll never forget out of this situation is, is meeting all these people all over the world and hearing all their stories. You know, hearing all the stories from folks all over the world, like, you know, some some of which honestly are pretty amazing. As far as before COVID, I, th- I, I would... Um, there's some people I wish I could talk to. And including myself. <laughs> you know? That's but, fair. I think that's, that's, yeah. that's a good sort of yeah. reflection. I think for me it would have been... I think... I wish I had... Like when the first lockdown here from sort of March time to June, July, I think see the novelty of it, it was amazing at the time, but I, I really wish I'd have known that it, when normality was going to resume so that you could have really treasured it at the time. Because it used to be, it was sort of like a, such a carefree time. And I admit there were people dying and stuff in the world and it was not great for everybody. But I, th- those days were... My job security was fine, so I was getting fully paid working from home. But you're able to go. I think I went so many cycles, so many walks, just did all this stuff that you would normally have time or think of doing. And I did appreciate it at the time, but I would definitely know if I had to go back in time, I would really cherish it because these things don't last forever. It was like a, like almost like being young, really young again, and having no responsibility. For just a short while, but as I say, it's not worthwhile at the expense of people dying, hundreds of thousands of people dying around the world. But that's just my experience. But hey, Jason, thanks a lot, and uh, let me uh, stop the recording and download this sucker. And here we go across the world. Okay, everybody, uh, this is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager, and thanks a lot. I know it's pretty late over there in Scotland. <laughs>